a young perspective on hot-button issues around the world. This is The Hub. Hello and welcome to The Hub. I'm Wang Guan in Beijing. The president of Turkmenistan, Sadar Berdimuhamadov, is now paying his first state visit to China after taking office. He met in person with President Xi Jinping at the Samarhan summit last year. Earlier, the former president of Turkmenistan, Gurbanguly Berdimuhamadov, talked to us about China-Turkmenistan friendship, as well as bilateral cooperation on natural resources and gas. He also reiterated that Turkmenistan firmly adheres to the One China principle and supports China's core interests. First of all, I would like to thank CCTV and CGTN's Russian channel for proposing the interview. Communicating with such an authoritative and reputable media outlet with tens of millions of viewers at home and abroad will further promote mutual understanding between our two countries and peoples. Turkmenistan highly appreciates and will never forget China's support in the process of Turkmenistan gaining independence, its respect for Turkmenistan's neutral status, and China's foreign policy on the basis of that. On issues concerning China's core interests, such as territorial integrity and the One China Principle, Turkmenistan has always maintained a clear attitude that is, firmly adheres to the One China Principle, supports the peaceful development of cross-strait relations, and supports China's peaceful reunification. For Turkmenistan, China is not only a great country, a powerful world economic and industry center, a broad and promising market, but also a reliable and trustworthy friend. Similar worldviews with related goals and tasks in international peace and security affairs unite Turkmenistan and China. The two countries interact effectively on international stage, support each other in important international organizations headed by the United Nations, and coordinate political and diplomatic efforts to promote and achieve constructive solutions. Such characteristics of the Turkmenistan-China relationship conform to the fundamental interests of the Turkmen and the Chinese people, and have a significant and positive impact on the development process of the Eurasian continent and even the world. On the agenda of the Turkmenistan-China dialogue, the situation in Central Asia has attracted much attention. In this regard, two countries are under the same position. Turkmenistan and China are both in favor of building a solid security system in Central Asia, based on the balance of multilateral interests and insisting on solving various problems through political and diplomatic means. On these issues, Turkmenistan and China, as responsible members of the international community, have made substantial contributions to the establishment of a regional interaction mechanism and support for the sound development momentum of the region. One of the priorities of Turkmenistan's cooperation with China is in the field of fuel and energy. It is understandable that both countries have great potential in this area. Turkmenistan-China gas pipeline was formally opened in the end of 2009. It is an important example of the development of partnership between the two countries on the basis of equality and mutual benefit, and has opened up a broad horizon for cooperation in natural gas between Turkmenistan and China. In such projects, from producers to transit countries to consumers, 
all parties involved can achieve a balance of interests. Now, with the increasing demand from China and under the promise of abandoned reserves in Turkmenistan, both sides are examining ways to increase Turkmenistan's gas exports. The cooperation committee mechanism between Turkmenistan and China is operating effectively. At the meeting in November 2021, the two sides signed five documents, including 2021 to 2025 Intergovernmental Cooperation Plan. Turkmenistan sees these as a solid foundation for the two countries to move forward hand in hand. Objectively, common interests have prompted Turkmenistan and China to successfully establish a partnership based on a Silk Road Revival Plan and a Belt and Road Initiative. Promoting the implementation of the Silk Road Revival Plan and the Belt and Road Initiative can increase the momentum of the economic development of the Eurasian continent that connects the Pacific and the Atlantic Oceans, help to create an interconnected production technological system and industrial hub, and solve a series of social problems and bring tangible benefits to the people. I believe that diversified cooperation will act as the cornerstone of the new feature of Eurasia's dual economics. In the process of realizing this goal, any constructive ideas, strategies and initiatives will complement each other on the basis of long-term mutual benefit. Therefore, I believe that in terms of their own philosophical concepts and geoeconomic significance, the Silk Road Revival Plan and the Belt and Road Initiative complement each other. Cooperation in the field of humanities is one of the key factors in strengthening friendship and mutual understanding between our two countries. Our people share a wide and mutual passion in each other's arts and cultures, and the countries have created favorable conditions for extensive contacts between talents in the creative and scientific fields. Both countries agree that they will continue prolonging this partnership. Education is the key direction of bilateral cooperation in the field of humanities. Turkmenistan highly appreciates the supportive attitude of China in welcoming Turkmen youths to learn professional skills and practical knowledge in Chinese universities. In addition, the two countries will cooperate further in sports. One example is the Chinese delegation's participation in the Asian Games in Turkmenistan in 2017. Our cooperation has proven fruitful and will get passed down from generation to generation. In general, the two countries have brought space for cooperation in the fields of politics, economy and trade, transportation and energy, investment, high technology, culture and humanitarianism. Prospects for cooperation are promising. I wish the Chinese people a happy new year, and I sincerely wish you peace and well-being. I wish the successful completion of various development plans and great achievements in economic and social development. May your life be prosperous. I believe that in the new year, Chinese leaders' far-sighted domestic and foreign policies will surely bring new achievements and victories to the country. China cancels its COVID-19 testing and quarantine requirements for international arrivals. Will we see revenge spending on tourism, both inbound and outbound? 
What does the removal of some of China's most stringent travel restrictions mean for students and business people? For more on this, I'm joined today in Phoenix, Arizona by Adrian Gomez, president of Nido Kingdom Wrestling. In Suzhou, we have Evelyn Lee, undergraduate student at Cornell University. And in Beijing by Damchi Cabral, graduate student at the Central University of Finance and Economics. Welcome, guys. So, Adrian, let me start with you. You went back to the United States for Christmas and the New Year. Um, how often have you traveled back and forth between China and the United States before the travel restrictions were lifted? And what was it like? Regarding your question, I, prior to the pandemic, I try to go back to America at least once a year. So probably around, usually around like January, I'd go back. And, and this, this recent time that I've been back uh, was the first time since 2020. Uh, finally, it's over. Um, how do you feel about that? Oh, a huge relief, a huge relief. Um, look, I, I, I don't necessarily, um, I, I wasn't necessarily totally like against the idea of zero COVID. Of course, China had a huge population. So I understood that just to put everybody in a situation, because I remember when we were in China, we got to see the outside world. And it didn't look very good. <laughs> I remember being in China and looking at the way the pandemic was outside in America, in India, and in several other countries. We were quite worried. So I could understand, you know, for a while why we were doing the zero COVID. But yes, eventually uh, we did start, you know, once we saw that the virus was, uh, I guess the, the new variants were becoming a little bit more, I guess, let's say less deadly, um, more asymptomatic cases we were reading. When the virus, uh, when the virus uh, policy uh, essentially was lifted, I have to say I was really relieved, especially in my line of work. It was such a, it was very difficult. To I listen. asked about your line of work, uh, which is wrestling. Uh, sounds fantastic. Um, let's talk about that later. But uh, Everlyn, uh, welcome to the hub. You enrolled in Cornell University in 2019, uh, just before the pandemic started. Um, there were travel restrictions, first of all, in the United States, um, you know, uh, learning uh, turned uh, online and then later on the United States opened itself up. Uh, what was it like, um, you know, having this pandemic spanning through much of your academic life uh, for your undergraduate studies? Yeah, so first, thank you for having me. I'm really pleased to be here. So to introduce myself, I'm a senior student right now, and COVID hit when it was 2019. So that was when I was a freshman student. And so it was the second semester, and I remember when it just hit, everyone got the news, and we were all really shocked, and everyone bought the first plane ticket they could get to fly back to China, for me, back to Beijing, because that's where my family were. And so I spent a total of one and a half years going to university on Zoom. So we took classes at Cornell on Zoom. And what was really challenging at the time was the time difference. So for me, I had to stay up till 1 or 2 a.m. every day so we could attend the synchronous lectures because we still didn't want to miss out on the in-class discussions with our peers and with our professors. So for that, my sleeping schedule was a mess during that time. But apart from that, like a plus side, an unexpected surprise that we had was that for Cornell University, luckily we had a partnership program with Tsinghua University and Peking University. So we got to actually stay in the dorms of Tsinghua and Beida, and we got to take some classes of theirs offline. So of course there were many challenges, but there were also some unexpected surprises for us. 
Right, right, right. And then now uh, the, the quarantine requirements, testing requirements were lifted. Uh, did you talk to your classmates, your, your juniors, uh, and uh, how, how do they feel about the, the prospects of being able to travel freely finally and going to campus? Yeah, everyone is very excited about um, the opening of the traveling restrictions because prior to that, for example, last summer, last winter, everyone stayed in the U.S. because the, the quarantine time was just too long. But now I think a lot of people will be traveling to China during winter breaks and summer breaks. So we're all very excited for this news. Uh, Damchi, let me turn to you. I didn't expect that we could meet again so soon. What jersey are you wearing, by the way? I mean, like, I actually just finished training in the morning. So, like, that's the Cameroon jersey. Like, yeah. I'm a room jersey. Yeah, the Cameroon jersey I'm putting on right now. Yeah. Very good. So, you were in Qatar watching the 2022 World Cup. First of all, tell us what was it like. Uh, and then maybe you can also tell us what was the quarantine like because you were one of the last batches of people who had to endure the quarantine requirements, you know, before it got canceled. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, Getting to Qatar was like a dream come true for me because like I breed football, I leave football, I love football. Football is just about me. Yeah, just I watch your videos. Fantastic. So like getting to Qatar was something I didn't plan, but happened super sudden. And I was really grateful for it. I went there like not only for watching and I also went there for some, you know, content production, social media videos that I was shooting as well with some partners. It was great getting to Qatar. And, you know, finding a diversity, it was a really, really long time. I didn't meet a lot of people from different parts of the world coming all together and having a fest around football, you know, because football brings a lot of cultures together, brings the spark from all about the world together. So it was amazing. Talking about the quarantine now, it's, it was something crazy because I actually left Qatar immediately after the semifinals because I was hoping, you know, not to get quarantined for Christmas. So it was coming. Like I was like, okay, probably I'm, I'm going to be out before Christmas. I didn't want to be locked up around that time. So I came back and just days after, I was just watching some news about China lifting up its, you know, quarantine policies and everything was going to be open again. I was like, probably I just had- You were in the hotel quarantine while you watched the news? Exactly. I was in the, like, I was in the hotel. You remember, right? The, the day we met, I was like telling you, I was actually one of the last badges to undergo the quarantine process. So it was something I was like, okay, no problem. Still, I made it and I still made it. It was actually reduced from eight days to five days, which was a blessing as well for me. So overall, it was good. Very happy China finally got up and again because I'm a person that loves traveling. I'm a person that loves adventures. And I feel like I still got a lot of things, a lot of places to visit in China. So like, I'm super grateful as well. Great, great, great. Um, Adrian, you currently manage a, a pro wrestling organization in Shanghai. Uh, I know you previously had a wrestling venue in Harbin in Northeast China as well, but they closed due to financial reasons during the pandemic. Um, what was it like? I mean, how hard was it to manage a business back then during the pandemic? Pro wrestling uh, is obviously, it's a close contact uh, sport. Um, and Harbin, I would say, had a bit of a hard time throughout the whole pandemic. There were times where Harbin was one of the only cities that was locked down because of uh, an outbreak. We had a really nice uh, pro wrestling, we called it like a, a pro MKW pro wrestling school. And unfortunately, a lot of students that would come to Harbin because we had the only pro wrestling school in all China. It, pro wrestling in China is still an emerging business, uh, an emerging market. So if you look for wrestling in China, like on Baidu, 
if a student, if, if somebody who's interested in learning, they want to look for, you know, uh, or, or whatever, they're going to find our, our school. Unfortunately, for a lot of people who came up, a lot of times we couldn't train. We had, it was, it, we were located in a shopping mall, which is one of the places, as I'm sure as you, as you know, one of the first places that will be closed during a lockdown. So after sustaining uh, so many months and cumulative in lockdown, uh, we had to do, we really had to make uh, some cost cutting measures, us and along with a lot of other businesses in the same industry, whether it's wrestling or combat sports like Muay Thai or MMA, um, I, I, a lot of my partners and friends in the industry, they had to make some cutbacks as well. One of the ones we made was unfortunately to close the, the center we had in Harbin. Hi, this is Niu Niu. And yes, Old Wisdom New Insights is back with a brand new season. Just check out the historical figures we've selected for you. There's the top KOL in Song Dynasty, a real celebrity influencer. If I write an article about a place, it will become a tourist destination and stay popular for centuries. There's the man who was so weird but so talented that almost all the famous celebrities of his time were both offended and impressed by him at the same time. To be liked or disliked, that was never the question for me. I was not really popular among my peers, but I was too occupied with my dream to even realize that. There's the successful novelist who changed his career path in his 60s and did a really good job. I say, it's never too old to follow your dream. 60, 60 it's just my 30. Now, do you know who I'm talking about? If not, don't you worry. That's what the show is all about. Join me to find out with more old wisdom, new insights with the modern twist. Just subscribe and listen to Old Wisdom, New Insights on all the major podcast platforms. Dunhuang. Situated along the ancient Silk Road, where fine arts and divine beliefs merged with the natural world. It's where the East and West interacted, and where the world's largest Buddhist art gallery still fascinates and amazes people today. A place where stories of life and death, love and hatred, passion and desire, faith and sacrifice have been generated and told for 2,000 years. Buckle up for our new podcast, Why We Loved Dunhuang, the one and only podcast that can take you to the fantasy world of Dunhuang and beyond through our audio tour. Listen and subscribe for free on the major podcast platforms. Why We Loved Dunhuang? You will have your answers. Focus, focus on what's relevant in China and the world. Bridge the, bridge the gap between what you know and what you want to know. This is The Hub. So, uh, Everlyn, let me turn to you. You started your own business too, right? Um, while you're studying in Cornell. Um, tell us more about that. 
Yes. So in 2020, me and a couple of my friends at Cornell, we started an education platform. So this was a platform where we connected some college students to high school students, and we provided tutoring and mentorship for them for IB and AP, which are like international high school programs. During the COVID times, um, we had to shift our operations and marketing strategies from a offline oriented to a more online oriented strategy. So that was definitely a challenge we had to face. And since we had our classes originally offline, um, when there were COVID, like at times where some a student might have came into close contact with someone who was positive and had to undergo quarantine in their compound, that was when we had to we realized we had to shift our classes via Zoom and. And I remember what was the most challenging for me was when I had a class where a few students um, had to be in quarantine. So they were on Zoom, but the other students were still offline and they came to my classroom to learn. So we had a class both offline and online at the same time simultaneously. And I guess that got us to shift our operation strategy to be able to design classes that were also um, suitable for online students to like engage them in activities that were both like on the computer and also offline. So I guess with the COVID restrictions that got us to um, be able to be more flexible in terms of our strategies. And then with China relaxes its uh, COVID policies and traveling requirements, how do you plan to adjust and adapt your business strategies going forward? Yeah, so originally when we weren't able to travel as freely, well, we would do the workshops all online. And now being able to travel, uh, we will, we're planning to go to different cities to give talks, give workshops for parents offline. And I guess that will have a better um, better effect because all well, the parents that we're going to attract, they're going to be more engaged with us. They're going to meet us in person, talk to us about our company. Alrighty. Um, good luck uh, for that. Damchi, you. you appeared in a Chinese talk show called Informal Talks, right? And and now you have your own platform where you post about uh, dance, sports, uh, soccer, um, and your adventures in China. And of course, you're still a student. Uh, what's your plan for the future? I mean, like, this is this is actually a huge question for the meantime. You you just talked about like the, the talk show in which I am still taking part. You know, coming back to the, the COVID the COVID effect, it has really, really much affected me on this because when I started the talk show, it it was about like, you know, sharing culture. It was about talking about my experiences in China and stuff like that. Unfortunately, I got like stuck like some episodes of the episode of the of the of the program. I wasn't able actually to to take part in. So that was really, really an issue for me. About my personal platforms, it's still the same thing. I'm just trying to promote and just try to empower people through what they do. There would be sports, there would be dancing, there would be cultural sharing because that's something I actually do. And my major is actually financial journalism. So that's like uh, I'm in my second year, like graduate, like master's. So I'm almost done already as well. So my program or my you know mission or I can say my plans for the future, I just, you know, getting more into the communication or I can say cultural field and trying to like diversify the people around me, creating more and more, you know, platforms or information about what I do to other people who might need it here in, in China or around the world as well. So that's like one of my greatest missions for the year 2023, getting more and more professional in what I wish to do. Yeah, well, what I what I heard was really um, you're very passionate about the intersection between sports, yeah. art yeah. Um, and um, media. Exactly. Because there is nothing that brings people together like sports. I didn't need to know where you're from. I didn't need to know 
what color you are. I didn't need to know what language you speak. Of course. That brought us together in the gym last week. That's the thing. I know idea. Great sports. Yeah. And another thing is about is dancing as well. Let it be social dancing because I do hip hop. I do popping lucky and I do like his own social dances. So I do a lot of these stops and it's something that really brings people together and bringing it into communication. is just the perfect match, you know? So that's the, trying, the kind of stops and actually trying to merge up together and seeing what it can bring to us in the future. All right, Avalyn, um, how do you plan to leverage your educational background in both China and the United States? And um, really, what do you plan to do after you graduate uh, as graduation is coming up soon, I guess? Yes, I'll be graduating in the May of 2023. So that's just half a year from now. And right now I am having, I'm, it's still uncertain for me. I am applying to graduate school and I'm also applying for full-time jobs and I'm preparing for interviews right now. So I guess I'm glad to see where life is going to lead, lead me. Yeah, but what do you look forward to the most as we um, you know, gradually get back to pre-COVID life as we know it? Yeah, I guess it's just the flexibility of being able to travel no matter if I'm going to pursue a graduate education or if it's um, continuing in the industry, that uh, no matter what, the travel uh, restrictions being lifted open will definitely be a helpful thing for the both of the um, situations. Damchi, what about you? Um, What are you most excited about uh, as we are getting back to the life as we know it? Yeah, I mean, like my approach is pretty similar to Evelyn's. Uh, I just feel like the flexibility and everything that's going to be the greatest part of of, of this. And, you know, because I'm looking forward to traveling a lot for football competitions because before, before like the COVID, I used to travel around China and I also had to go to other countries like Korea for some football trials. So I feel like, you know, with the lifting up of the restrictions and stuff like that is going to let me, you know, to be more flexible, to be more, you know, unpredictable in stuff I could do as well. And after my graduation, I'm pretty blurred about this, the exact path I'm going to take in, but I'm super excited about the uncertainty of this because, you know, just go with the flow. And that's just what I'm looking forward to. Adrian, what about you? You're coming back to China soon, right? Yes, I'll be coming back to China in a few months. What am I most excited about in living in the, I guess you could call it a post-COVID policy? You know, the sky's the limit. I really believe that. I think, uh, I think a lot of us have been waiting for this for a long time and for good reason, because I think... Uh, now uh, we really feel more than ever that the that COVID is, it's definitely always going to be here in some capacity, but, um, you know, living our life, ar- you know, basing our life around it like we used to definitely seems like something that's uh, more in the past than in the future. And with that, and with that being in the past, we can actually think about our, you know, our future and our plans and how we aim to uh, become, to reach our goals and, and be more successful. Sky's the limit and let's live the life. Um, Happy New Year to all of you, Adrian, Evelyn, and Damchi. Thank you so much for being part of today's discussion. I wish you nothing but the best for the year 2023. Take care, guys. Thank you so much for having, for having us on. New Year. All right, that would do it for this edition of The Hub on CGTN. Thank you so much for tuning in. Happy New Year. See you again soon.